with psychedelics, the door you want to open with them, they will open that door. So if you want to have fun and party, it's going to open that door. But if you want to have self-exploration, self-discovery and personal growth and healing, then it, you have to do something else. Welcome to another episode of the Darius Mora Show, where I interview top performers from around the tech and startup world and try to figure out what are their beliefs, thought patterns, and mental framework. In this episode, I interview Martin Thompson, who is an elite martial artist and discovered the transformative power of psychedelics five years ago. He has been guiding people on these psychedelic experiences for the last couple of years, but now he's doing it in an organized way, creating a retreat for top performers and entrepreneurs right here in Portugal. I myself went on one of these retreats guided by Martin. It was a small group of people. We got a house in the countryside of Portugal with its sun exercises, breath work, fasting, meditations, journaling, and the actual journey itself. It was incredibly powerful. A good metaphor I once heard for these experiences is that it's like taking 10 years of therapy and compressing it into one weekend. Things will come up, experiences from the past that you didn't even know were slowing you down or causing you pain or anxiety. And they'll come up and you'll have an opportunity to look at them and address them finally and deal with them. I hope you'll enjoy this episode. If you'd like to get actionable digital marketing and app marketing strategies and tactics from me, make sure to go to my website and sign up for the email newsletter. The website is DariusMora.com. That's D-E-A-R-I-U-S-M-O-R-A.com. Ready to rock and roll? I'm so ready. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Darius. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. So we've um, we've been friends for a couple of years now. Um, and early in our friendship, I saw a YouTube video of you uh, at a Danish TV, sort of showing your lifestyle with two wives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know about that. And, and a lot of the friends that we had come in Copenhagen that you know lived with me at the time. Uh, we're quite shocked to, to see that. Do you want to tell us <laughs> what happened there? Well, yeah, like it didn't start out with, you know, me being with two wives or having two, a wife and a girlfriend. That's actually what it was. Uh, it was it was like a thing that progressed. It started out with, with me being with my ex-wife now. And she found out during our relationship that she was also into two girls. And I was like, okay, um, that's fine. You can go explore that. And my first thought, I was like this little happy kid who just discovered, you know, that uh, my wife, she was uh, bisexual. And I was thinking about all the threesomes I was going to have. <laughs> uh, and, you know, she, so she started exploring that. And I, eventually she found a girl and and they hit it off and they had a really really good experience together and and she suggested that I should also talk with this girl so so I did and um, it was she was on a, on a travels uh, around South America and she met this girl in, in Miami on the way there it's like kind of a, a stop on the way to to go to South America she was flying from from Denmark where we lived so in Miami she meets this girl her name is uh, I, I don't know if I can disclose names, but I guess I can. It's already out there on the ether. We have a, a YouTube video with several mil millions of views. 
So her name is Nia and she's from Venezuela. My wife was also, is also from Venezuela. So they just had an amazing connection. And then my wife, she went, continued on her journey through South America. And she said, Martin, you should talk to Nia. And I did. While she was traveling, I talked to Nia and we just discovered we also were just hitting it off really, really well and had a, a, a very good communication, very good connection. And then we decided all to meet like three months later after they had first met, we decided all to go to Miami and there we, we just hit it off. Like it, it felt like I'd known uh, Nia for a long time and uh, there was just, you know, instant love, instant connection. And we spent a month together there, really just enjoying each other company and, and you know, seeing what that was. And during the time, my wife, she suggested that we should uh, propose to her. So. On a scuba diving trip, it was actually the first time that Nia had ever done scuba diving. We took her out uh, on an island in, uh, in, in Puerto Rico and, uh, and there we, we took her for scuba diving. She never tried that before. And on the, the second dive, uh, we proposed to her on the water. And there's, this is actually, you can see how that is done in the video that's on YouTube. Oh, really? Yeah. I had no idea. You did underwater. Underwater. <laughs> so we did that and then coming back to Denmark, so suddenly, you know, it was me, my wife, and then Nia, our fiancé. And during, during that year, it was the year of 2019, we went back and forward between Denmark and, uh, and, and Miami, where she was living. And we, we decided in, in September last year, uh, in 2019, that we were going to go there. We we're going to pull up the roots in Denmark, sell our apartment, and then, and then go there and, and really try that out. The day before we leave, she breaks up with us. Fuck. Yeah, uh, and we're like, ah, should we go? We decide to go anyway, because maybe we could salvage the relationship in any way. Yeah. And, and uh, so we went there and we, we see her and, and we, we, we spend a couple of weeks together and we do realize, okay, this is, this is broken. Uh, we cannot, we cannot uh, do anything about it. At least we could leave as friends. Right. And we had planned also because we, we could only get a visa for three months at a time. So we had planned to go to Mexico after three months. So we decided to go to Mexico earlier, uh, my wife and I. Mm. And going there uh, and going through the, the breakup with Nia, also realized that I didn't want to, like me and my wife, we had grown apart. And the relationship, the freeway relationship was just a way to keep it together. It was kind of like the last solution for us to be together. She had realized she was more into women and I had realized that I needed a more feminine presence in my life. Where in years she was very much that feminine presence. Where Victoria, she developed more like uh, her masculine side. Mm. And, and it, was, uh, it was good for me to, to see, you know, the gay perspective to kind of see, okay, uh, what do I want in a relationship? And I realized that what I had together with my ex-wife Victoria was not what I needed anymore or was not what was fulfilling to me anymore. So we, we, broke, we broke it off there, and I went through a, a month-long period of grief where I could barely get up in the morning, like I was uh, feeling so heavy and lethargic, like a, and I would get up late, and late would be like nine o'clock for me. Normally I wake up like 5.30, 6 o'clock, but I would get up at nine, it was really late for me. But I found something there, uh, which was, uh, something called Temascal, which is uh, sweat lodges. And uh, this is a way that the Mexicans, they are working with, uh, with the infeogens, which is uh, psychedelic plants. 
So I went to these sweat lodge sessions, which are, you have this little clay hod, uh, inside they put these very, very hot stones that's been heating up in the fire, and then they pour water over them. And it gets really, really warm. So like the, the, the heat makes you become so present that, that it kind of breaks you open from the outside. So there I really had a, a chance because I'm not really good at feeling my emotions. I like normally I spend most of my time in my head thinking, doing, so I, I didn't really want to feel those hard emotions, but this kind of gave me a space where I could do that. So in these Timascal sessions, I was working with uh, different medicines. For example, I was taking a medicine called San, San Pedro, which is a, a cactus that, where the active ingredient is mescaline. And I was doing small doses of that during the Temascal sessions. Mm. And that really allowed, it, it like kind of opened me up from the inside while the heat would open me up from the outside. And it kind of allowed me to process all this grief that I was going through uh, because of the breakup. Uh, so yeah, that was my experience with the two women. It was a beautiful experience. Uh, and then I ended up, you know, being just by me. And uh, I can say, being with two women is, is amazing, but it's also very difficult. Like if you think it's hard to be with one person, then it's it's not because it's twice as hard to be with two people, because you're you're like three people together, so you don't have to, to deal with everything. But there's more you have to consider. Um, and yeah, most people probably ask, so you know, how was sex? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the first part. And it was it's just for me it's the same, you know, when my wife she said she was going yeah. to see girls, so like my first thought is like, I'm going to have all these threesomes. And yeah, sex is amazing. It's, you know, at least the, the physical aspect of it. Yeah. But if you really want to connect with someone and go really deep, then I believe, you know, just being with one person, you can go much, much deeper than you can when, when you're free together, because you have to be, you kind of really like immerse yourself in the same way as when you're just with one person. So that's also something I, I learned from this experience. And people that go in, into polyamorous relationships, I think they really have to consider why they're doing it. Like, is it because this is the last resort to, to mend a relationship or to have a relationship function? Or is it because that they think it's important to have both the, the masculine and, and the feminine balance in their, in their relationship for them to be, be happy? Um, so I, I think it's important to ask these questions to yourself when you're going into these kind of experiences. That must have been, I imagine it to be very difficult because there's so many different um, like relationships going on within the triangle, so many different dynamics. And is there anything that have, you know, prepared you well for that? Or did you just kind of learn to, to, to fly? Well, one book prepared me for that and it's called The Way of the Superior Man. I know it's also a book you, you like a lot. And yes. uh, you said it's the book you return to the most. It's definitely also the book that I return to the most, I think. I went through it probably like five times or something like that right now. Yeah. And I, w I would never have been able to be in a relationship like that if I hadn't read that book. So that book really prepared me for dealing with, uh, with, with the, the feminine, uh, which, which uh, Nia very, very much was a representative of that. And just being able to handle the storms you sometimes get from, from women and, and in a very graceful way. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and, and so, so that book definitely was, was a very important part, but also just being in that was, and having two partners who were able to be open and talk opening about their feelings and fears and, uh, and their insecurities was also very, very important. 
there was it felt like I remember the the beginning. It felt like you know you were on on uh, this hell week of uh, of emotional training and going through that. I, I I learned to put a lot more words on my emotions and actually feel emotions and figure out what. Okay, so when I feel you know like this uh, weird feeling in my stomach, is that okay? That's that's anxiety. That's insecurity. And I was able to okay identify these things and and help help it helped me to process it, but also to communicate it and tell the girls where I was. Mm. So, for me, it was like a training camp <laughs> <laughs> of, a, of 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 experiencing a, another aspect of life. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I think it's a it, it's the same for me where it can be difficult for me to communicate what I'm feeling, and I think that's the case for for a lot of guys where it's like the default is just. I'm good. I'm fine. Like it, yeah, yeah. And, and you either sort of batch everything into good or bad, but it doesn't go further beyond that. No, it's just yeah. It's like hungry, <laughs> horny, sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's it. Or good or bad. There's not really more more dynamics to it. Yeah. But I I believe you know, uh, if you just always go to your default mode, there's a lot of things you're missing out of out on, and there's a lot of things you're compiling inside of you. You're just uh, keeping it in your body, and mm. your body keeps a score. A lot. Uh, one f- one other thing that I just came to my mind right now, which was uh, very powerful, also that was mentioned in the book, was was this aspect of you being able to um, have uh, orgasms without ejaculation. So you, as a man, could become multi-orgasmic. Mm-hmm. And actually, had that first experience together with with Nia in it, back in in the beginning of two at the end of two thousand and eighteen, and that has been with me since. So that's also another powerful, uh, really a lot of kudos to that book. It's, yeah. it's a very amazing book. I think yeah. The, the, yeah, the book Multi-Orgasmic Man has circulated our friend group. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but I, I'm also talking about the, the Way of the Superior Man. Yeah. You mentioned this it shortly. And I hadn't read The, the Way of the, the, the Multi-Orgasmic Man uh, until after I had experienced uh, that. that, uh, that okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's powerful stuff. It's very I, powerful. I mean, most even you know guys don't know that it's possible. Yeah, they think these two these two mechanisms are 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 the same, and uh, with practice you can learn to separate those. For example, through meditation, it's it's mostly about awareness and, and breathing. Like breathing deep is is very very important. Are you able to relax? And I believe you know all the practice that I've done with meditation and breath before kind of prepared me for having this uh, like it was a it was a spontaneous experience i didn't plan for it if that makes sense also mm. oh, you didn't even I, attempt to no this. no it just happened yes that must have been a beautiful discovery it was amazing discovery <laughs> i was like what is this even possible so yeah like that was that was an incredible discovery especially when you you think it's a mumble jumbo and and suddenly you have the experience and you're like wow is yeah. there is something deeper to to my experience of life or experience of, of sex and sexuality that I didn't even know about. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I was really grateful for that experience. It opens up so many new doors and avenues once you discover it. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. a whole different thing. Yes. So you mentioned that um, after the breakup and you had the month of, uh, of dealing with what happened and then you start to discover the, the sweat lodges um, and, and psychedelics, right? Yeah, I was already already experienced with psychedelics before. This was the okay. first time that I tried uh, a mescaline uh, cactus. There, there are different kinds. They, they normally use San Pedro or uh, another one called peyote. 
it's very very commonly used in in, in Central and North America. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, I, I got introduced to that aspect, and also just the uh, the way that the the they're called the Timascaleros, which is uh, the the healers, the Mexican healers who are who are taught in, in using the Timascal together with plant medicines mm-hmm. in order to heal people. And for them, it's very much like the ceremony. You come, you sing maybe a few uh, few few songs together, and then you're being cleansed with 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 copal smoke, and they have these. Uh, it's just a beautiful setup. It's like entering into another world when you're going to these ceremonies, and then you're being led into the 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 Timascal, which is this little clay hut, and you're sitting in there with the whole community. This is how it used back in the day. You're sitting in there with the whole community. Maybe you're sitting there, 20, 25 people, very very crammed mm. in a very very small space, and suddenly there's no difference between man and woman or black and white like you're all together in this and you're working with this very very powerful heat and sometimes also with with plant medicines and it, it's it's kind of like an, an healing experience not just for yourself but for the community as a whole and normally the uh, the Timascalero he would do some some ceremonies or like uh, some 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 uh, what's that, what are they called like when a when a priest he's he's uh, doing a sermon it's like do a sermon he like yeah so, so people feel inspired and when they come out, they will kind of like help each other and, and then share, you know, what, what they experienced. That's a very, very beautiful and connecting experience with the people that went into this. So for me, uh, coming out from that and, and realizing the, the powerful effects of, of using both natural, uh, like the, the Timascal, but also combined with, uh, with the effects of psychedelics, uh, in this case, uh, San Pedro. Was uh, was very eye-opening to me, and and I already been been using psychedelics before. I had my first experience with magic mushrooms back on the beach in in Thailand. I was at a full moon party, and uh, it was New Year's. I think there was like seventy thousand people on the beach, and I heard about you could have. That was in Copenhagen, yeah. And I heard you could take these mushroom shakes, so I had one. I had another one, and I just. It didn't really give me a good experience. I felt like I was trapped in this uh, bubble, and couldn't really didn't feel like communicating with other people. I felt very alienated, and it's just it wasn't a very pleasurable experience. Mm. Like there was too much going on around me, and I didn't really feel like uh, partying or or doing anything like that. It kind of sobered me up, if that makes sense. So that was the first time I experienced that. That was almost ten years ago. I've been to a full moon party in Copenhagen as well. Yes. I've been to another. Yeah, do you try the mushrooms? No, just uh, vodka buckets. Yes, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, those ones, they give you a really good headache the yeah. day after. <laughs> I remember it's a crazy fucking party. Yeah. yeah. I burned my eyebrows. From one of the jumping ropes? Yeah, I went to the jumping rope, hit me in the face. Yeah. They... Burned off my eyebrows. Wow. <laughs> for, yeah, for the people listening, like... These are, they, they set fire on these ropes and it's just it's like, a, like a 10 meter rope. Yes. And they swing it. And then people go into the rope and like several at a time and jump over the rope. Yeah. But it's on fire. It's, it's meant, it's meant to give you a burn. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. Really not a smart experience. Yeah. I don't think that would be allowed in Europe or, or the States no, or anything like not. that. <laughs> type it, was, people it, was a, crazy. it was a crazy experience. I don't want to do anything like that ever again, but it was fun having tried it. Um, but yeah, anyways, I, I did no, no psychedelics there, or no mushrooms, just, just way too much alcohol. 
I think it was a good good thing you didn't try it there. Like it wouldn't have given you a good experience. And the same for me. I was I heard about it and then I tried it and I was I was disappointed. I was really disappointed. I was like, is this it? Is is that what you're going to experience? And I, I had no idea how much they put in these shakes. Mm. And even I even had no idea if it's even was mushrooms to put in these shakes. Like it's just not a very good cocktail. Yeah, you have no control over no control whatsoever. The environment is not great. Yeah. Then I think that my next psychedelic experience was around five years ago. I, I, I was in, in the autumn. I, I picked. You can pick these uh, mushrooms. They're called uh, Liberty Caps in uh, in English. And then they, they grow in on the fields where you have cows and horses grassing. They really like uh, to grow on the dung. Mm. And I picked a few of those and had a very, like, it was just enough to have the, the smallest experiential experience of, of magic mushrooms. This is psilocybin mushrooms. The Liberty Caps are the active compound in psilocybin. And it was a very, very small experience. And I did that with my, with my wife at the time. And it was interesting, but I was like, ah, there must be something more to this. So I actually ordered a kit from Holland and I decided to grow a, a, a variety called a Thai, Thai mushrooms. And I was thinking, okay, Thai, that, that, that maybe that was the ones that I had for a long, long time ago. Yeah. And I remember the first time that I tried it was going to Sweden in a city called Gothenburg. And there they, they have a, a big park and we went into the park, we took the mushrooms and everything just changed. It was so beautiful. I had like this pulsating feeling of like red and green and blue and purple, always changing. And it felt like all the plants around me was growing and it was just this, uh, a lot of giggling, a lot of uh, hallucinations and me and my wife just had an amazing experience. It was like every, the world was transformed. And it's like you're seeing the world for the first time and everything was just beautiful. Mm. And then we're sitting in the park and it was starting to get a little bit cold. And we've probably been tripping for like three, four hours. I don't know. We didn't have any, any feeling of time. Mm. So we went out of the park and then we, we came into the street and suddenly the street was transformed into something like you're taking out from Inception, you know, where the world is folding on top of each other. Or yeah, Doctor Strange, where they, like, the world is folding on top yeah. of each other. Like you, you see the suddenly, you don't know which where, where the sidewalks are, or anything like that. So we're walking out there, and, and we're thinking, oh shit, how the how the hell do we get back? You know, we were, we had rented this uh, a little cabin in a boat, but we didn't know how to get back to the boat. So there was there was a really really bad planning. Like we thought about everything before it, like taking the mushrooms and then being in the forest. And we we're thinking, okay, eventually we'll come down in the forest. But no, we didn't. So we came out there and I, would, I didn't know what was sidewalk and what was road. So I can easily understand if people, they get injured when they're doing uh, any kind of psychedelic and they're doing it you know, in, in the street or a place where they can get hurt because you don't have any sense of reality. Yeah. And if you're hallucinating just a little bit, then things, they are... It's, it gets very uh, squirrely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we finally got ourselves inside a inside a a, a wagon, uh, a tram, and it. But we didn't know if it's the right one because I tried to look at a map, and the map just turned into like a little ants crawling around. <laughs> 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 so 
eventually, after several hours, we got back to, to the boat and, and we just were so grateful to finally be back, but also for, for the opening experience that had been to, to, to be there. But I would say to anyone that wants to do psychedelics and wants to do it outside, do it early in the day and do it at a place where you can't really get hurt, like uh, out in, the, in nature, in a, in a forest, and make sure you have uh, at least eight hours after you take the, the medicine before you, or the, the, the mushroom, or whatever you take, before you have to go back, at least. So, <laughs> but preferably don't, don't do it anywhere like there, and the first time you try it, I would recommend doing it from the comforts of your home. Yeah. Yeah, it could be uh, very disorienting. Very disorienting, very much so. Yes. Yeah, I did my so I did my first what I put I think a big journey with you here in in Portugal a few months back, uh, and we had the whole whole setup and I can't imagine you know being out in the streets or, or even you know I I couldn't even imagine leaving the couch during no. the trip like I was so you know if if I had to pee I wouldn't be able to get up and leave like it was just <laughs> I yeah to me we it we very. And it's so powerful. It's hard to comprehend how strong the experience is if you're taking, you know, good sides. So it's important to have someone to guide you and be prepared and have all of that, you know, sort of ready. But what, yeah, what is the, I think a lot of people, a first time experience psychedelics maybe in a party setting, which is very, very, very different to what you experience in a um, more guided session like, like you explained. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely a big difference in those two experiences. Like with psychedelics, what the door you want to open with them, they will open that door. So if you want to have fun and party, it's going to open that door. But if you want to have self-exploration, um, self-discovery, and personal growth and healing, then it, you have to do something else. And th there is that's also why we see you know so many people doing MDMA. They do. Uh, MDMA is not a classical psychedelic, but it's, a, it's what's called an empathogen, um, meaning it makes you more empathic, it makes you more in touch, and it's basically it melts your, your fears and, and, and ego defenses. And ego, just to clarify what that is, that is the, the conception you have of yourself, like your beliefs and the stories that, that is running, it's like the program that, that you have created over time. So when you want to, to do it for a party, like you can easily just have fun. If you do MDMA or, or LSD and, or mushrooms, it's possible, you can have fun. And that's also why most people, when they, they just do it at a party, they don't really experience any of the other benefits that you can experience from psychedelics, uh, like, like personal growth or self-exploration or healing of trauma or addictions or things like that. Mm. And, but there are some people that suddenly have those like traumatic experiences coming up when they when they do psychedelics and they are affected afterwards that's also why you hear about people having bad trips or trips where they they feel you know they're where they're affected afterwards where they have like maybe they go into a depressed state or they are re-traumatized because they experience trauma maybe from from them being abused or a very very uh, tough situation maybe they experience murder or um, violence or a crash or anything that, that can be traumatizing and those experiences can then reappear when they do psychedelics even in a party setting setting mm. and that can re-traumatize them so they have to so that afterwards maybe they'll go in depression or they will experience those kind of things um, like they will maybe experience a higher degree of anxiety or flashbacks it's very very common for people doing it in a party setting 
So there's another way you can do this, and that is if you want to do psychedelics, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing it in a party setting. If you were any, and if you are going to do psychedelics in a party setting, I would only recommend doing what's called microdoses. So it's a very, very uh, subliminal dose that wouldn't cause any hallucination, anything like that. But even with that, you can still bring up subconscious material that's, that, that can be hard to deal with. Mm. So normally what I would recommend is you should do some kind of preparation, preferably with a, with a sitter or a guide. So a, a friend you really feel you can trust, someone you feel don't, doesn't judge you or you feel you can, you can really talk to and open up with. And preferably they should ask you questions that kind of gives you a map of where you are right now. So normally we would have these three stages. They're preparation. So this, this is the preparation stage I'm talking about right now. The second stage is the journey. You take the, the medicine, the psychedelic, the mushrooms, LSD, MDMA, whatever it is. And then the final one is integration. So the preparation stage is you would make sure that you are ready for, to go into this journey. And the way you do that is to build a map of where you are right now in your life. You'll investigate the different uh, life areas you have, the physical aspects, the mental aspects, the spiritual aspects, uh, how you are doing you know, socially and even environmentally. So normally uh, when I prepare people for, for going on journeys, I would ask them different questions into these different areas and see is there any places where you know, things are popping up, things that are, that are not in balance, things that are causing them any pain or trouble, because this, this will likely give a indication a, of things that can come up during the journey itself. What are some of the like, examples of the questions you would ask during the preparation setting? One question I would ask, is there like a repeating thought or pattern that you can't figure out? Or that, that would be one question. Another question is, do you feel that you are breathing easily and, and deeply? And a lot of people actually answer no to that question. Mm. Surprisingly, it's such a simple thing, such an important thing. People are answering no if they feel they can breathe easily and deeply. Yeah. And a lot of it is, is because we're so much in our head that we forget to be in our bodies. And just changing the breath makes us calm immediately, um, which is a huge, huge, uh, it's a very, very important thing. And it's also a very, very important thing in teaching people before going into the journey. So part of preparation is not just, you know, asking these questions, it's also making sure that people have the right foundation to go into it. I would recommend anyone doing bigger journeys or bigger experiences of, or bigger doses of psychedelics to have at least some kind of meditation practice. So they're used to just go with any experience and also used to kind of step behind, being able to observe their thoughts, not identify with them, because they're going to experience a lot of things on the journeys that are just creations of consciousness. And these things are, it can be very scary. Like you can f maybe experience that you are being, that you're going to be destroyed by a huge demon. And it's just a creation of, of, your, of your consciousness, your imagination. It's just a play of forms. Mm. So it's not something that's really going to happen. And when you are learning meditation, you learn to become curious about the things that arise in your, in your conscious space. When you're having your eyes closed, you're like, okay, what is these thoughts that are coming up? And you learn to become curious about these thoughts. And, and this is also what you want people to do when they go into the journey. 
So having some kind of meditation practice is definitely good. Yeah. Preferably also breathwork because breathwork helps you to ground in the body. It helps you to relax and calm down. So if you're experiencing anything that's hard or, or, or um, difficult, you can kind of come over that experience by just breathing through it. And then another thing that's really, really helpful is to have some kind of body practice like yoga. It can be dancing. It can also be Tai Chi or anything that grounds you in your body and puts you in the body. Because a lot of our traumas and tensions, like I don't know anyone who doesn't have tension in the neck, tension in the back, uh, anywhere in the back for that set, for that matter. And it's, even other places in the body. And those tensions comes from, from emotions we don't feel or process. It comes from maybe past trauma. Um, and we are able to release those by having some kind of body practice, by having some kind of breath practice. And then we're also able to release them when we are doing psychedelics, we're able to feel the, the body remembers, it keeps the score. So we are able to go to these places, like putting our attention to these places on their journey, and it helps to release it. It helps us to, to like suddenly memories can come up, like very, very vivid, vivid uh, memories can come up, for example, from your child. Um, and the, the, that's why, why it's very important to have these practices. And this is what I do. I prepare people in that way. So one is to ask them the questions. The second thing is to make sure that they are, have the foundation to have a good experience. And that is part meditation, part breath work, part having some kind of body practice. Yeah. If they have these, two, these things and they do it on a regular basis, they're pretty good to go into the second step, which is the journey itself. And normally I would start people off with very, very uh, with smaller doses and then work, work them up, depending on their experience level, how much anxiety they bring into the experience. And, and there, depending on, on the kind of uh, psychedelic or, or medicine we're working with, then I would be very active or not very active. It also depends very much on the, on the person and the experience they have. So they would go in, into the journey having some kind of intention that they, they made from, from the, the question. So they, they say, okay, I'm, I'm constantly uh, overeating or I'm addicted to alcohol or uh, there is these uh, negative uh, thoughts and, and patterns that, that keep limit, limiting me from, from doing what I really want to do. So that could be kind of an intention to discover the root of those or to, to relieve yourself of the, these things. Mm. And you go into that in the journey and then uh, I would most likely, you know, when you have a very strong intention, it's like the, the compass in your journey is going to send you in a specific direction. So imagine you go into the journey, it feels like it's, you're in a storm. And, but the storm, you have a very clear compass, you have a clear map from the, the questions been asked before. So you know which direction, which, which direction you're going in the storm, but you also know what, what might show up on this, this, uh, this experience, this journey. And then finally, you would have the integration phase, which is taking the things that people they have experienced on the journey and then help them on, get an understanding of it. And here it's important you have not just an understanding of where is it, what is it that people might experience and what does it translate to. Uh, that can both be experiences of our archetypes. Um, a lot of people, they experience the trauma from, from when they were born. Uh, all of us are more or less traumatized from our birth. Like just imagine you're, you know, you're coming out for a very, very narrow passage 
you're being choked, you're going from, from not having to rely on your lungs, suddenly you, you have to use your lungs, you're being in a very, a lot of mechanical pressure. A lot of people, they have trauma from, from that experience. Uh, and this has is, this is, uh, been, been shown through the psychedelic research throughout the 60s and, and 70s. And now it's kind of coming back when it's, it's being allowed right now. They're doing uh, trials and research. And it shows that, you know, people that, that are, are going, uh, the experiences that we have are, that can be mystical or transcendent are also things that are, has happened to them. Yeah. But they see it in a different way. For example, they, they see the, um, the experience of being born, they, they experience that as, as being in a concentration camp or, um, or going through purgatory. So you can have these kind of archetypal images from having a, from from a physical experience that you had when you were born, for example. Wow. Yeah. Are there any red flags like during the first stage? Would you talk to people where you would definitely not recommend them to go through with it? Is there anything that comes up where you just don't think it's a good idea? Yeah, I wouldn't go with anyone who has any mental illness, such as uh, schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or. Um, yeah, those people I wouldn't work with, and this is also the recommendation from 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 the current studies being done. They don't they don't do anything with these people because the risk is simply too high. They're already very unstable, so you I wouldn't. And psychedelics make you more. It kind of like, it's kind of like a shifts the, your your foundation and it, it puts you temporarily in a very unstable place. Like suddenly you don't know what's reality, and if you already are questioning what reality is, it's probably not a very good place or to take you but people that most people at least here in the western world they are so founded they're so uh, rooted in they're so stable so rigid that actually need that shaking there's this very good metaphor that what's what psychedelics does and, and the power of it is most of the time you know we're so much stuck in our same routine same patterns or even in addictions and it's just, just like a, it's imagining this slope or this hill and Every time we're taking uh, we're taking a different action, it's like making a new trace, new trail down the slope, and the tr the, uh, the tracks they get deeper and deeper. When you take a psychedelic, it's kind of like you have fresh powdery snow landing on that hill, and suddenly you're able to take new directions. So th this is good for for people that are very very rigid. But to answer your question about the red flags, so if people are already unstable, they're not in a in a good place in their life, I would be hesitant about taking them on a psychedelic journey. Depends on the kind of way they are. They're unstable. If it's because they need to have some kind of support network after the journey. Otherwise, I would. Well, if they don't, then I would have to be there with them a lot through the integration process afterwards, taking the things you know that they experienced and then helping them integrate it in the different areas of their life. The areas where they, they before felt that they were um, locked or didn't know how to to continue from, you they suddenly get new insights and 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 ways that they can kind of break free from, from those limiting experiences. Are there some are there like most common intentions that people have to do this? Like what are the most, or is there a pattern to like what people want to address or what is the reason why most people you know, might want to do a session? I would say it's very different. It's as many people as we are, as, as many different intentions, but a lot of it is, is, 
is breaking free from some kind of uh, pattern or behavior that is not healthy to them or to the surroundings. That can be something in relationships, that can be something uh, towards themselves. Uh, for example, one thing that I've been working with myself is, is the way that I think about eating. I, was, I used to be a kickboxer and, and uh, on a very high level and every time I had to make weight, I'll be super strict with myself, very, very disciplined and I would not eat that much. And then when I wasn't eating weight, I was overindulging myself, eating a lot because it was like this, this uh, going from not restricting, very, very powerful restriction, and then to, okay, now I have to train a lot, I have to work a lot, so I also need to get enough fuel. And this shifting back and forward, kind of like, uh, it created some problems with eating and the way that I thought about food. So sometimes, uh, and this has been problematic for me afterwards, and now I'm slowly starting to deal with that. And you're able to see these patterns very, very clearly when you're taking psychedelics. You can see, okay, this is I'm doing this because of this. And I may even understand it intellectually before I take the psychedelic. But then you take the psychedelic and then you have the, kind of the experiential, visceral experience of it. And you're able to change your behaviors. Because you know it's stupid. It's stupid to overeat. Yeah. And I can tell myself that. Like People also know it's stupid to smoke. But after a psychedelic experience, they can actually stop doing it. They, they understand why it's stupid to smoke. It, they, it puts, puts the, the behavior into some bigger perspective. That's also why, you know, they've done this study with, with smokers and they, uh, with psilocybin mushrooms, where after six months, 70% of them were not smoking anymore. Wow. And normally you would have around a 20-25% success rate with smokers because it's such a hard uh, addiction to quit. Um, so this also shows the kind of power there is in, in the psychedelics of, of kind of changing. And uh, there's this interesting story from uh, the book of Michael Pollan, How to Change Your Mind, where he, he asks, where he interviews this woman, she's been smoking for 60 years, or she's 60 years old, has been smoking almost all her life. And she says, yeah, you know, uh, suddenly I just felt it was really, really stupid to smoke. <laughs> and they call it like this dull moment. Like, of course, we could have told you that it's stupid to smoke. <laughs> but she had a she had like been through several experiences of, of her being dying and being reborn in, in different uh, lifetimes, and uh, seeing uh, she was transformed into this bird and, and seeing how beautiful the whole world is. And so she's like, it's the world is so beautiful, and there are so many things to experience. It'd just be stupid to killing yourself. <laughs> and you, you're like, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty stupid. <laughs> but people, they don't. That that's sometimes the thing that it keeps you in a, in a rut. It keeps you in, in that hole, and you're able to go out of that hole after you you've done an experience with the proper preparation, journey work, and then integration afterwards. So you're able to dig yourself out of these holes. Yeah. Yeah. How so? How long would the whole process take? Because when we did the session with us, I remember. I mean, it might have been some weeks before we started the preparations, yes. the questions and kind of interviews. And then it was the, the weekend itself where I think the day before we we, had, we arrived and we had the whole sort of nutrition planned out and the setting and yes. this beautiful house. And we did some breath work and, and sauna work and um, sort of, yeah, it was, can you kind of, and you have a event coming up. Yeah. Um, here in Portugal, can you get, go like go through the process so people know you know what it would be like? Yes. So the process for let's just say for the event that's going to come now, d depending on when people are signing up, they just have more time to prepare. 
but it can be as little as, as three weeks. So you have a week you're going to prepare with the questions. It will probably be, be one to two sessions of, uh, of one hour. And, and then you would, that would be the, the preparation questions. You will get a, a plan or maybe it'll tell you to, to start just doing a few breath work exercises, maybe to start having some kind of body practice. So, and also um, at least the week before shifting to a more plant-based diet and with less stimulants and stuff like that. So that would be maybe a week or one and a half weeks. Then you have the experience itself, which is a weekend. And there, there will be there. If you haven't done any of the body practices, you haven't done any meditation, you haven't done any breath work, you're going to be uh, with it there. You're going to try it for the first time. Um, and if you already have a good experience of it, then you're going to get just deepen that experience. And it's really going to put you in the right uh, state for the experience itself. So, like, you know, you're going to be fit to do this. Um, then you do the journey uh, on the retreat. And then afterwards, there will be integration the day after, the whole of, uh, of Sunday in the weekend. And then you would have one to two integration calls uh, following maybe f two to three days after. And again, uh, a week after or so. And if you, depending on, on where people they are, they will get further integration calls. So we're speaking about two and a half to three weeks going through the whole process where they would spend maybe two hours before with the preparation then the, the weekend for the, the retreat itself, and then one to two hours afterwards with integration calls. Mm. So, so that's it. And from, from that, they can take some very, very hardwired um, habits that they want to quit and get rid of those. They can uh, take some, some limiting patterns that they've been struggling with their whole lives and choose some other ones that are much more beneficial to them. They can have one of the most meaningful experiences of their life. Like many people, they are saying that, they, they say that this experience is similar to, to the death of a, of a parent or the birth of a child in, in, in the magnitude of, of a meaning, meaning that they, they give this experience. So it's just as meaningful as that. I think that's, that's pretty profound. And I would say for me, it's been the same. Like it's, it's my, my journeys have been some of the most meaningful experiences. Yeah. Yeah, the, when I did the trip with you here a few months ago, it was definitely one of the most intense emotional experiences by far. I remember like the next day and still days after, I was just juiced out emotionally because it was just was a lot of crying and a lot of laughing and smiling and a lot of insights and realization. And, and yeah, the whole, your idea of reality is just completely shattered. And then you leave there and you're like, it's, it's, not the, the, it's not the same as what I thought it was. Uh, you know, like, yeah, just the perception of reality is so shaken and really makes you wonder what are just the constructs that you've built in your own mind, the, the sandcastles that you've built up. And during the trip, it really allows the waves to just wash over and, and start completely over. And you're like, well, the shit I've been doing, it didn't have to do that. <laughs> I just, you know, just, yeah build stuff in your own brain that make it look appear to you very real but it's it's not i remember i wanted to address some things for example like the relationship with my father was was one and a couple of the things that i i heard someone would say that you know doing one trip like this is like kind of like taking 10 years of therapy compressed into one weekend yeah and yeah like i would never be able to uncover like unearth all these things 
in such a short time, let alone address them and actually get results by the end. And it definitely, you know, didn't close all the chapters, but I made a huge progress. Yeah. But then like you go through it and then the last thing I wanted to do for, for months was to do anything similar because it's just so strong, so emotional. It's not, it's not addictive. You don't want to do it every weekend. No. I mean, it's been, I don't know, it's been like half a year since we did it probably. And I still like, I feel like I, I need to wait until the next session. It's just, it, it's a bit too much. You don't feel ready for the next session yet? No, definitely. It, it just, yeah, because it's, it's such a big event what happens inside of you yes that that you yeah you definitely don't want to do it too often like there's no there's no desire to just do this yeah because frequently. like like you say it it unearths a lot of things it throws it up into the air and like now you have the, the chance to kind of like catch up yeah like because it, it un unravels a lot of unconscious things yeah. and now you have the chance to kind of like integrate those experiences and it just takes time yeah yeah and there's so many there's only so many things you can address and deal yeah. with like it's just it's a lot of shit to deal with that you can, uncover. Can you maybe talk about some of the experiences that you, you dug up during that or some of the, the patterns or thoughts that, that was limiting you? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the first thing that, that comes to mind was I think what started to open up. Um, for me, it was just the whole notion of what we perceive as reality. Like suddenly I would look at the window and I would, you know, look at the, the, the wooden frame of the window and see the wood melting down and, you have all these, you know, hallucinations that really, and you're like, you see it, like you're aware of it, you're conscious, but it's, it, you know, and you look out to the window and, and the leaves are talking to you and, and it just, yeah, like tears the reality apart where you're like, okay, maybe, you know, some of the things that I've built out in my mind, are not, maybe not necessarily real, maybe it's just the way I perceive it. So that was, I think, a huge step. And I think on the journey, I had certain intentions, but I also sort of uncovered a lot more stuff. Okay. And I, and I felt for me, so for me, a huge part of that was music. And maybe you can talk about what role music plays into all of this afterwards. But I remember with each song, it was just like a roller coaster. Every song would take me on a journey somewhere. And it felt like it would go on for, you know, an hour. It was probably like a five minute song. And then the song would end up like sort of coming down from the roller coaster, like all this shit, like, uh, you know, like, okay, this is. And when I'm just getting ready to exhale, then a new song comes on and it takes on another journey. And it's like a whole, this, and it just goes on and on and on. And, and after a few of these roller coaster rides, I just realized like there's no point to resist or try to direct the roller coaster. I just open up and be like, okay, whatever I need to see, I'm going to see whatever, like, oh, I'm willing to look at anything I need to look at. And I would close my eyes and I would have these very strong visual things and, and cues that would come from yeah my own behavior like relationships with other people with my father definitely relationship with Norm, my girlfriend um a lot of the beliefs that i've had around you know my both meaning and, and productivity and the way i sort of looked at work mm. um so many more things I'm, I'm, i have a whole journal <laughs> covered up yeah um in there can you can you maybe talk about how like w before you went into the journey maybe how your everyday experience was compared to how it is right now. Because we had a conversation about it the other day where you like, you talked about how much has changed at least over the last few months. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I have seen a massive, massive change. And I think in one way it was for me to, I think I was been extremely 
goal oriented, extremely sort of focused, and I've had the way I've functioned up until you know for the last ten years, but maybe five years specifically, it was to do have like a twelve month plan, uh, three month, one month, one week, one day, and it's sort of our our breakdown of um, of of my plan, and that's how I functioned, and I felt that was very productive because it definitely got me a lot of the material things that I wanted and the environment around me changed in the way I wanted it, but also it came at a cost of increasing stress and anxiety. And also, you know, by definition, I would set very high goals and I would, you know, hit a lot of them, but a good amount I wouldn't hit. And that started to sort of compound in this anxiety and feeling of like, okay, not achieving these goals. And it, it, I'm very grateful because it got me to where I'm now, but it also became kind of counterproductive in a way that it would increase stress and anxiety. Okay, so where are you right now? So I'm in. So after the trip, um, and also lately, I've been working on. Still have a direction and, and purpose, and, and I still have goals, but not be so rigid in my ways. Mm. More of like, okay, this is the long term vision, but I know it's not gonna be a straight, plane shot. I'm gonna go in a river, and it's gonna ebb and flow, and I'm gonna, you know, turn and, and change ships, and I'm gonna maybe travel by road as well, and. It's just going to be so being much more open to what is coming and having faith that like there is a guidance and purpose. And I felt mm. also during the journey, I've, I think I felt a very strong sense of, yeah, guidance and being like, it's okay to trust and it's okay to just let go. Mm. And I, there was a really good story that I heard. Somebody was talking about how we you know perceive certain things to be good or bad. And he was saying there was a, there was a guy who lived in a village and he broke his foot. And everybody's like, oh, that's such a bad luck. It's a terrible thing. But then the army came and they wanted to enlist everybody who was, you know, army age, but then enlist him because he was injured. Like, oh, yo, you're such, a, you're such a lucky guy. It's such a good thing that happened to you. And then his girlfriend broke up with him and it was such a bad thing. But then, you know, and it just, it's not just a thing as a good or bad. It's just the way we perceive it or the, the, to- the stories that we tell ourselves. Yes. So I think since the, the trip, I've been much better being like, okay, this is not a good or bad. This is just, it is. Yeah. And I get to choose on what label I put on it. And it's definitely not easy. I'm not perfect at it. It's working practice. But just being aware of that we create the reality. Um, and then I could also sort of set back on the goals and be like, I'm okay of you know, spending the weekend painting and not being productive in my okay. way. And, and especially in the last few weeks and months, I've actually been very focused on being less busy and doing less things. I spend much more time in thinking and feeling and, and sort of being intuitive but having the time to to think and believe that there is some guidance that will bring me insights there is some other power that will give me the insights that i that i need if i just create space for that okay and as a result i'll be more productive and have better results while working less and not being stressed okay so, so you're feeling less stressed now yeah you're doing less yeah but you're you're actually having a lot bigger results yeah. or seeing bigger results yeah that's very interesting. And I'm so much happier. <laughs> You're much happier. <laughs> much happier. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a big part. And I think, but also a, a huge part of, I think, a, a change for my lifestyle has been, I think, your habits and also moving with, moving with Norm, my girlfriend, and, and, okay. and having these inspirations from other people uh, in terms of building new habits into their life. Mostly okay. about nutrition from Norm, mostly about you know, movement exercise and breath work from you and all these other things. I okay. think that made a 
huge impact as well. So when you, when you say new habits, it's like the habits you're talking about, their breath work, their, their moving, like exercise. Yeah. And what else? And then I have a couple of sort of mental habits that have been tremendously important for me. One is thinking time in the evening. Yeah. So I'll sit down with a journal almost every week, not every, but most evenings. Uh, just sit down, set alarm for 30 minutes and then sit there. Um, and the objective is just sit and think. And, okay. Uh, and sometimes I'll journal, but, and it's incredible how many times I get really powerful insights um, because so much happens throughout the day. We just don't have the time to sort of, yeah, just reflect and, and realize what happened. And you're, if you give your brain the space to make a lot of connections, it will make the connections for you. Like mm. The brain will do the thinking for you. It's not very yeah. hard. You just have to hold space. And, and it's not the same as driving home for 30 minutes or it's not the same as or watching TV because your brain is engaged somewhere else. Yeah. But just, and I have a dedicated thinking chair. It's in the corner of the, okay. in the office. <laughs> and I only sit there when I think. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of, that's, that's one great habit. And another one that I picked up um, that has been very powerful is um, I do a solo trip once a month. Yes. And I've only done it, done it three or four times now. Um, but once a month, I'll go away for, for a weekend, and usually just one night, 24 hours. But I'll go away, I usually get a tiny cabin somewhere in the woods, um, and I stay offline, so no computer, no phone, um, no TV, nothing like that. Just take books and a journal and spend time in nature. And that's been very powerful for me again to be able to like plan and reflect and get those insights. Um, that has been very powerful. And I'm experimenting with a few more daily habits, but they're not you know, habits yet. I think these two have been the biggest ones. And also, I think the biggest shift other, other than that was me moving more towards plant-based diet mm. uh, and some of the movement exercises because we and, and i think that the biggest trigger for that was um earlier during the recording i asked you what's your favorite place in lisbon you said the monsanto park and we went there running a couple times and i just went and it's like this very hilly beautiful park uh, with you know amazing trails and we went running there and we did i don't know the first run was whatever seven six k yes and I remember I was dying halfway through and you just had so much energy and you're running around. And <laughs> I was like, shit, man, like I ran a marathon last year. Like I should be in good shape. But I think a lot of my habits were sort of blocking me from having that full energy. And I was just like, and I saw you running around and, be, and I was like, whatever he's having, I want that. Yes. Uh, I think that's been one of the triggers for also, you know, moving in that direction. So you could see, you could see how much energy I was having. Like I was really enjoying that run. Yeah. And yeah, like, like you and Ed, you're you're good guys, so you have a good pace, but you could have you could have run a little bit faster. I was yeah. you, we could have run faster that day. <laughs> it, it was also raining, it was a beautiful day, I remember. Yeah. I felt like a happy little puppy. <laughs> I enjoyed it from the perspective of like oh, I'm pushing boundaries and I'm pushing limits and yes. I feel like I'm gonna puke and like this yes. is like a very masculine breaking through barriers. Yes. But I didn't enjoy it in the sense of like you know stopping to smell the flowers <laughs> no no not at all not at all. i i understand but you, you so you say all of these habits you picked up more or less this year actually yeah wow yeah. and it's made a the, the difference has made in your life is you have more more energy you have a less stress and worry and you're doing less enjoying your time more and getting better better results yeah that's that's very interesting. And definitely a lot of that was triggered, you know, through the experience that we had. Yeah. 
and obviously that alone is not going to fix all the problems and it's not going to sort of work yeah and after you have to integrate and sort of yeah. keep on growing but i think that was a, the first step okay in that direction so thank you for that oh you're, you're welcome <laughs> I've, I've also believed you mentioned yourself there's another aspect of it and that is the i would call it the osmosis of other people yeah. So there is this famous quote, you are the, 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 uh, the product of the, the five people you spend the most time with, right? And it, that's also, you, you, you allude to that when you, when you say that you're spending time with me, you take some of my habits, you take some of the habits from Noor, you're eating much more plant-based, both Noor and I are, are eating plant-based and you're living with Noor now and she's cooking completely vegan, so you have, and she's yeah. cooking a lot, so you have no choice. And it's such good food. It's, it's, very, good it's food. amazing food, like really, I'm, really good food. I'm very lucky in that way, yes. <laughs> so you say that and then you also see okay this there's there's people that are having amazing results and they're like it suddenly becomes very achievable yeah and uh, and you see how little it actually takes i remember when we first met you didn't have any breathwork practice i don't know if you had any meditation practice i think sometimes very little. but n now i see you doing breathwork and even you know you, you say you're doing it several times a day yeah uh, and also your 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 exercise routine has changed it's not about doing a specific amount it's just about showing up every single day yeah. and I, I think it's very important to mention that if someone wants to get started with any kinds of new routines or habits that start so easy you cannot say no to it like in the beginning it's not about you know doing an hour of meditation or doing an hour of workout or eating fully plant-based because yeah. if you change so f too fast you, you're just going to revert back very, very fast. Like yeah. it's, it's going to be, your body wants to, to re remain. It has, this function is, is homeostasis. It means it doesn't want to change too much. It always want to keep in balance. So if you change too fast, things is just going to revert very back and, and fast back and maybe even in the other direction. Like a lot of people in the start, you want to change the habits. They want to eat healthier. They want to exercise more. And they do that really well for a week. And then they go back and they like exercise they don't even move and they start yeah. eating fast food. And we see a lot of people doing that. And it's, it's, not, it's not because that there's something wrong with them. It's just because they're approaching it in a way that's not going to set them up for success. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have, so I, I now I have sort of a, a, a printed out exercise schedule for the week in the, in the bathroom mirror. But for example, some days I have weights in the gym and I make it so easy that and at the beginning, I just wanted to build a habit. So even if I would, for example, I'm running late and I only have like 15 minutes in the gym, I would still go there and I would still like get on the bike and stretch and not lift weights, but just the activity of going to the gym and then leaving, that alone was very important to like starting that habit and then knowing that it's not going to be perfect every time. But if I just go there, then that's, that's really good. I heard Scott Adams had a really good quote in his book and he was saying that what he does, he has a promise to himself that He'll always go to the gym. And when he gets to the gym, he has the total freedom to turn around and leave yeah. without any guilt. That's yes. his system. And he said like in the last whatever 20 years, only once or twice he left because it's just getting started is difficult. But once you commit actually you know, doing that, then it's just so much easier. Yeah, and also believe another part of it is when you're there, also there, let's say a day you really don't feel motivated, but you still just do a little bit then you are, you're going to be much more motivated to come back because you're not going to create a negative experience for yourself. And your body remembers negative things much, much more than around uh, five times as much as the positive ones. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's important that we create positive experiences because they're going to be reinforcing those uh, behaviors. 
but let's let's just cap on uh, like some of on that. So like you say, spending time the people you wanna if you want to have new habits, find people that already have the habits. It's gonna make it a lot easier. When you start anything, start very start so easy you cannot say no. So that let's say for the gym, that means you just you just have to be there, you just have to go there. You don't have to to work out. Yeah. And let's say it's for meditation, you just have to sit down. You don't you maybe have to take one deep breath. That's it. Yeah. Maybe you know for um, for eating plant based, you just have to have one meal during the day or even during the week where you are eating completely plant based. So you start. So it make it makes it very easy for you not to 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 say no to it. Mm. So that, I think that's a very very good uh, good takeaway. Yeah. The same with reading. You know, just yes. sit down, read one page. Yes. But yes, read something. The same with you know thinking time. I don't always have thirty minutes, but no. If I have fifteen, I'll take fifteen. Yeah. And then another part of it is, is okay, if you miss one day, you should do everything you can to get back to it the next day. Yeah. Because, and just do the minimum uh, viable thing is, is, you know, like you say, you don't have 30 minutes today, but you have 10 minutes. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. It's not about doing it perfectly. I think so many times we think, okay, we have to do it perfect. We have to, it has to be one hour every time. It has to, no, yeah. you just have to show up. That's, <laughs> that's already a success. Yeah. Already a success. What are, what are your habits that you know you swear by my habits that i swear by especially in the morning the first thing that that i would do is drink a big glass of water i always have water like a glass of water next to my bed and uh, i will make my bed that's the first thing and then i will journal just write down three things that i'm grateful for normally i would refer to the day before so like things I was grateful for the day before, maybe even some lessons that I experienced the day before so that, that I can, for example, right now I'm working a lot with, with uh, integrating how I eat into my life. So thinking about it differently. So let's say yesterday I had this most amazing butter from Noor and it made me eat a whole loaf. Of course, it didn't make me do that, but I was reverting back to over ha habits of overeating and I can sit back and then reflect on that in the morning. So like I do gratitude mixed with reflection on, on the next day of how can I make today a little bit better yeah and then I, I schedule my day like the top maximum five things and I, I stretch for 45 60 minutes long slow stretches really uh, just to yeah it's it just maintains my body like uh, right now I feel I feel I can move my body however I want it feels strong it feels flexible I don't have tensions that I and I've been struggling a lot with that, especially lower back tension. But just spending that time every day stretching is is uh, is gold. And sometimes I don't stretch that long. Sometimes it's just five ten minutes. But just doing it sets me up right. Then I uh, I meditate or I do breath work. Normally I do uh, rounds of Wim Hof, and I, I will do three four rounds. And normally it will be around twenty minutes. Mm. And take a cold shower. And I'm ready to start the day. If I'm uh, then later, normally I would start working from home. But if I'm uh, going straight to 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 work from an office or another place, I would listen to positive affirmations. This is the things that I do every day. And sometimes I would do less of it, but also in the weekend I would do these things. Yeah. And it's so powerful. And sometimes I'm, there are some days I don't feel like doing it completely or fully, and I just do. For example, sometimes I don't feel like doing a breath work. Then I'll just put on some music and just lay down and do nothing for 10 minutes mm. or five minutes even. So it's also important you don't fight with yourself, but you just show up yeah. no matter how it is. 
But those things, maybe you don't experience the benefit the first time you do it. You don't experience the benefit the second time you do it. But it's, it's compounding. You're slowly creating a space inside of yourself where you're able to respond instead of react, mm. where you're able to, um, to, 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 like you also said before, like you create the space where you're able to just create excellence. It's like a, there's this amazing quote from Aristotle where he's saying like, excellence is, is not an act, but a habit. And I know I skipped the first first part of it, but the first part is goes something like, you are what you repeatedly do. Excellent then, excellence then is not an act but a habit. Yeah. Uh, so that is that is the quote. I, I almost butchered it. <laughs> um, and and that is that is so true. Uh, so this is this is what I do in the morning. I didn't start out doing this. I remember I just started out making my bed and drinking a glass of water. That was it. And. Then I slowly added things. I remember when I first started out doing journaling, I just wrote down one word of gratitude. It's just like sun, <laughs> <laughs> food. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very, very simple. Then. And I believe that's that's how you start. And then you can slowly build from there. And maybe, you know, for some people, they would have a different routine. This is just something that works for me. And I think it's important that people, they take what works for them and then they implement it in their lives. But I would say these things have been very, very transformative for me. And put me in a very good state every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you always come to the office hugging and smiling. Yes. Most of the times. Yes, most of, most of the times. And it's, it's also, that's another aspect. Like my default mode is happy, like we talked about from the beginning. And I realized there is, there is another depth, which is not always happy. It's not always shiny and, and, and bright. Yeah. There, there are actually other emotions going on than just happy uh, or... Yeah, that happy. <laughs> like I remember, I remember it was I was actually microdosing that day, uh, and that helps me to feel more. And mm -hmm. um, I remember a, f a common friend of ours. She asked me, "How are you doing, Martin?" And my first response was like, "I'm doing amazing." And when I said that, I was like, "Oh, I was being punched in the belly." I was like, "Oh no, no, <laughs> no! <laughs> there is there is something going on here that yeah. that you haven't uh, paid attention to." So it's it's so easy to go into this happy this happy happy mode and yeah. with a good routine it's it's very easy to go into it but I believe if you are part of that routine if you spend time journaling or reflecting 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 <laughs> you can also do reflectly it's it's an amazing app I can highly recommend trying it uh, it's going to help you really get into the habit of journaling but you sit there and you just write down you know whatever is in your inner system and it's it becomes like an intimate conversation with yourself mm. yeah yeah i had a i for me it was hard not even to like know what i'm feeling but even hard to realize that i'm in stress like i'm feeling anxiety like it was yeah it was in the body i just i it wouldn't even stop and recognize it and nor allow me to realize it in a very smart way Every time she saw that I was stressed, she would ask me how I'm doing. And at first, it was always just like, I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. And then after some point, I was like, okay, actually, no, I'm feeling all this at this tension in here. Mm. And I feel like I don't have enough time and it's overwhelmed. Like, I, I think I'm stressed. And, then, and, and now every time she sees that I'm stressed, as she's sitting in my face, she knows it before I know it. Yeah. And she'll ask me how I'm doing. And that, like, in a very smart way without sort of pointing finger at me, she would, you know, uh, very smoothly bring it up and then allow me to feel it for myself and like teach me in that way 
Oh, that's amazing that you, you, you know, you, you have a, both a relationship where, where, where she's being a good mirror to you so she can reflect back to you when you're actually stressed, yeah. but also that you are, have a relationship where you can res- actually listen to her feedback yeah. because it's so easy just to go in defense mode and like, no, I'm not stressed. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm not stressed. <laughs> and it might have been like that the first couple of times. Yes. She was persistent and, and sort of stay with it. Yeah. And but it's so many different emotions. Like. I had no idea, but she can read so many emotions on my face that, by the way, my, my face changes. And obviously, I can't see it. I don't feel it. No. And she'll ask me, like, you look like you're feeling this and this. I'm like, fuck, yes, I am. I want to do that. Yeah, but you didn't <laughs> know until she told you, right? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> and now, like, she, she can, like, pick it up and address it way better than, you know, she knows it before I know what I'm feeling. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't think everyone has a psychic like you no. living, living <laughs> with them. But uh, that's that's definitely very powerful. And yeah. do you feel, you know, from from that interaction, that you become better at also yourself registering when you're feeling when you're feeling something, or when you're yeah, neglecting something? Yeah, because I can start to associate it with like, okay, when I'm okay. feeling this tension in this part of my chest, then it okay. means this. If I feel, and like it's sort of putting the pieces together. Like if you feel this, then it's the, and you know. Okay, so it's, it's like a bodily sensation. Yeah. Mixed with some kind of like mental chatter or something like that. Yeah, sort of like awareness and, and mm. yeah, and also then like over time recognizing the triggers that got me in that state. Mm. So be able to like preemptively sort of get there before and be like, okay, I know that this is going to produce this, so I need to be aware of that. Okay. So like a specific situation, you 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 know, okay, I have a lot of things planned today, so I, I might experience some some changes here. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Do you feel that before you were you became aware of this, that a lot of the stress you were feeling or, or things like that, it was just a regular part of your day. You didn't even think about it. It was just normal. Yeah, it was just a default notion of like, while I was working, I was stressed. And I thought that was my working mode. Okay. I was focused, but I was just fucking stressed <laughs> for eight hours a day, you know? Yeah. And not just during the day, but also, you know, that carries through the evening and that it stays in your mind at night and then it's on the weekends and... Uh, that's why like so many people it, it, when they go on vacation and it's like at, at the end of the first week you start to realize like, oh there's this like looseness in my body and it feels nice and I'm yeah. relaxed and it's not just the vacation it's like for the first time you're not actually stressed it just takes several days you know to leave your body um, so I definitely yeah didn't have the awareness and I just thought that for me being stressed was the way I was productive because I was like doing a lot of things I was a fire and a high energy but yeah, when you're stressed, you know, it, it, it sort of takes up all the reserves of your of your energy because you're in constant fight or flight mode. Yeah. And then when you stop, when you get home, you just it's such a crash, and you're just exhausted. Um, so that was my sort of default mode, and I, yeah, then sort of change it and be like, okay, I can actually be relaxed, do less, but produce more, and feel good about it. Do you feel that the uh, the journey that we had? It was back in February this year. Do you feel that I was a catalyzation for this transformation? Yeah, like definitely just picking up a lot of the awareness and, and yeah, the intuitiveness in the body and, and, and bringing up a lot of things that were, you know, you'll keep bubbling. You just keep adding weights to your backpack. You keep adding in luggage. And during the trip, it just allowed me to lay it all on the floor and then look at it and be like, okay, like maybe these two things I need with me, but the rest, I, they're just, you know, they're not helping me anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely sort of a trigger, yeah, it's sort of a trigger line effect of, of all that. 
That's powerful, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I, I just, you know, I, I seen your transformation when, when I first got here in, in January in, in Portugal, and I can see how much you have transformed during this period of time. Like, I remember when we started, like we started working together. You were very much focused, and it's like I'm here, and I just gotta <laughs> do this, and I. And now, I, also when we're when when we're greeting each other, it's much more with a bigger smile, more loosey. Like, yeah, yeah I, I see a huge shift in, in a very short period of time. So I, I'm I'm even wearing flip flops in the office. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> I see you walking around with bare feet now. That's that's uh, yeah. You you are you're becoming a a real relaxed relaxed dude. <laughs> No, but it definitely, I, I think, especially if you're a type A personality, yes. you like tends to just teach yourself to break through barriers and sort of like toughen up and, and sort of power through. Yeah. And and that will get you to a lot of places between the beginning. Yes. But I think it's not sustainable over long term. And then I think also what gets you to zero to to 50 is not the same thing that will get you from 50 to 100. No. Um, and, I, and I think like especially like early in the career, the beginning, you want to do just everything and power through it and so also yes well but once you build out some foundation then it's much more about being smart about it and and rather than yeah doing more just and i need and you need to make that shift and and and, and, and i think i was very lucky with the timing because the trip that we did the journey like very well aligned with just that transition from my life where i've sort of built enough foundation where it wasn't just about trying to do 100 things in a day it's like if I make one good decision, I can, for example, double my income. Or, yeah. you know, I can really push the company in the right direction or I could do this. But like, it's more about taking one or two really smart choices in a day rather than trying to have a 15 item to-do list every day. Yes. So I think that helped and I was lucky in that way. So it's a part of it is, is, is your knowledge and the foundation. You, like you already tried a lot of things. You already have a lot of knowledge with the work that you're doing right now. Uh, and your experience and you, you see you know what, what's working or what, what doesn't work so you, you can also okay you you have an understanding you have a like you're able to go in into the the chopper and see what's really moving not just myself but also the projects i'm working on forward yeah all right and then being able to a journey like that will allow you to step away sort of put the ego away i, I put it on a side and be like i know it feels productive and it might look productive when i do all these things but what is really moving the needle? Like really looking yeah. at the results in you know, an objective way. Like if I look at the numbers, you know, how, what does that look like? Uh, so I think that also allowed me to just, yeah, take the ego away and then work on, on, uh, on just evaluating the success or failure of work on a different level. So thank you. I thank you, man. <laughs> You're the one doing the work. In the end, in the end, I think it's very, very important to, to say that it, I, you know, you're, 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 in the end, you're doing the work, right? And if, if I'm doing anything, I'm just facilitating or guiding, but you're the one doing uh, the work. You're the one uh, showing up every single day. And that takes, uh, that takes something. And uh, I want to acknowledge you, so you're, you're for that because not everyone is, is willing to face themselves and willing to, to see the, the places where they are, where they are, you know, where they could grow, where they're, you know, where they're not, uh, where they are doing things that are unhealthy to themselves and the people around them. It's not easy to recognize that and acknowledge that. 
but that's the first step in, in order to start integrating those. So, so thank you for going on, on journeys of, of self-discovery and exploration, I believe, every single day with the, the work you're doing now. So do you want to tell people what is the next journey that you're preparing and how can people find out more about it? Yes, yes, definitely. So the next journey that we're preparing is here in Portugal. It's going to be from the 11th to the 13th of December. You can uh, find more about the experience by going in on retreat.guidedbymartin, just in one go, dot uh, com. So retreat.guidedbymartin.com. And there you are able to, uh, you can book a call and we can have an interaction call. Just sit down and, and talk about what is this experience? What can you expect from it? Um, also make sure that you are, you're good to go, that you're in a, in a stable state. And, and then if we, we see that that's the case, we'll start preparing you for the experience. Yeah, and you. Yeah, I saw that you guys have like a beautiful house with this whole setting. Prepared. Yeah, like we we found the most beautiful retreat place. We're gonna have it all by ourselves in in the southern part of Portugal, and it's just located in, in the middle of nature, out of nowhere. And we have this. Yeah, it's a very very beautiful space. When people go on the, on the page, they can see a video of the space. It's called a Monte de Arada. It's just just beautiful. Really 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 beautiful. And that, so it's a three day. It's a three, three right? day retreat. So the first day people will, will come and they just get acquainted. Uh, we're going to do some, uh, some breath work. We're going to do some, some yoga, some, some partner yoga. I think you, you tried some partner yoga. Acre yoga. It's gonna, not going to be acro yoga, but it's going to be yoga. similar to when we did on, on the terrace when we rented the house. Ah, okay. Yeah, so we're going to do something. Yeah. We're going to do that. And it's a, it's a really good way to bond and, and get people acquainted very, very fast. And then we're going to answer any questions that people might have. So they, they go to bed because it can be an anxiety-driven experience. So we're going to make sure that people are in a good state when they go to bed on the first day. Then on the next day, on, on Saturday, we'll start the day slowly with, uh, with, with breath work and, and with yoga. And then we're going to, to do this ceremony, which uh, is going to take place in this beautiful room with big open window, like not open windows, but big, big windows uh, where you have vision to the, to the nature. It's not because people are going to see it. We're, we're going to lay in a, in a, in a circle and we have a, we're going to be blindfolded uh, most of the, the journey. There's going to be me and three other guides. So people are really going to be well taken care of. And this journey is from you take the, the, uh, the psilocybin mushrooms and then until the, the stops, it will be around six to seven hours. And then we're going to have a, like a sharing circle mm. and people are slowly uh, going to come back to their senses. We're going to be able just to spend the, the night just uh, because like you say, it's, it's very emotionally taxing. Yeah. So they can go for walks in, in the nearby nature areas and or just be by themselves or they can... Um, they can journal or whatever they want or have talks with any of, of me or any other like, other guides. And then the, the, the next day on, on Sunday is just focused on, on integration. We're also going to have a very small grounding yoga. We're going to do a very light meditation. And then most of the day is just focusing on both group talks, but also one-to-one -one talks where people are going to bring up their experiences and we're going to help them put them into practices in their everyday life. And uh, that's what's going to happen all of Sundays. They're going to have individual and also uh, group integration uh, work. And then when they come home, we're going to have one to two integration calls with them uh, on the weeks after the retreat to make sure that they're doing well and they're integrating 
they experience this into their everyday life. Amazing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good ending point for the episode. Yes. Thank yes. you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs>